Thus says the Lord, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals, who make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert. They shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. From the prophet Jeremiah, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. I would like to speak today on the subject of scratching out a living in the salt lands. Scratching out a living in the salt lands. As we survey our culture, it takes little effort to notice a rising apathy towards the church, towards Christianity, indeed towards religion in general. We could talk statistics about the nuns and the duns, but we could also name names, could we not? They are swirling in your head even now. Cousin, sister, friend, brother, classmate or co-worker, teacher, mentor, niece and nephew, perhaps even son or daughter. Increasingly, we find people making a break with the church, with the Christian teaching that they have been handed or perhaps never even fully knew. They have made a break in a way for what they hope, I think, is a wild, open country, free from the restrictions and the religiosity that they now reject, either openly or hidden somewhere deep within themselves. But let us not say that such as these have abandoned faith. For faith takes many forms, and it is ours to give to whomever or whatever we wish. In fact, you cannot compel faith. It does not happen. You can get someone to say a few certain words chosen lines under torturous means, you can get someone to act in a certain way with the threat of death hanging over their head. But you cannot make someone believe something they truly do not believe. This is a beautiful thing to be a human being in this way, is it not? That we have this choice, that we may be constricted, that we may be put upon by outside forces, but we may, in some small way at the very least, not believe something someone tells us we have to believe. We have this choice, this freedom. Liberty reigns in the realm of faith. But there is a choice we do not have, and that is whether or not we shall give our faith away. This is not afforded to us. We are to be a people who trust, who hope, who discern and even strategize, attempting to place our faith in that which is the most trustworthy, the most certain. And so it is that those who abandon the Christian faith do not abandon faith altogether, but rather scattered about in various places. They may choose uh, democracy, the Constitution, perhaps a certain leader or political party, perhaps more localized, a certain institution, or perhaps even more localized than that, a certain family member, a spouse, or a parent whom they trust will never fail them. 
Above all, though, they place their faith in themselves, do they not? In their own abilities and skills, certainly. In certain uh, philosophies or the right amount of financial knowledge. Or they place their faith in some inherent goodness they believe they have. But above all, I think they place their faith in their ability to see rightly, to understand the world, to have a knowledge, the right application of reason, the right set of facts, to so rightly discern and divide the world that they see. They trust in themselves, do they not? And our culture commends this. Look inside yourself and see what you feel. Trust your instincts. Follow your heart. But the heart, the prophet tells us, is deceitful above all else. It is perverse, it is wicked. It is broken. These are not the hearts of other people. These are our hearts, the human heart. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Perhaps you received a box this week in the shape of a heart from someone wishing to show you a form of affection. I'm not condemning those, by the way. They're whatever, they're fine. In fact, I think it's a great analogy because the human heart is such a container. It is such a box. Yet it is not filled with sweetness, but rather poison. It is equally cavernous. In fact, even more so, few of us have dared to explore the hidden recesses of our own heart. And I tell you, those of us who have, tremble to know ourselves. There is within your heart, within my heart, a vileness which ought to sin shudders down our spines. Our hearts are broken and full of wickedness. They are not trustworthy. We will betray those closest to us, and as we come to find out in the prophet Jeremiah, we will betray ourselves. We will betray even ourselves and be cursed to scratch out a living in the salt lands. This is what happens when we put our faith in the human, in the flesh. When we trust either in individuals, ourselves, or in entire institutions or nations, even philosophies which come from the mind of humans. And it is there that we find a parched Land. This is what it means to place your faith in humanity. Where the salt's powers are spent only on preserving the dust. Where rain brings no relief, for it only creates puddles of brine. Salt water. Who's had salt water in their mouth? It's disgusting, isn't it? 
spit it out as soon as you can. And how awful it is. Because water is this thing we all crave, this relief. Our lips long for it. Think of longing for this water and then going out and seeing a stream or a puddle and then trying to fill that quench, unquenched thirst you have to be met with salt water. This is what happens when we put our faith in the flesh. We enter into a wasteland, the very valley of death. It is here we look for something that we can trust, but find nothing that is fully trustworthy. For even if we could wrangle and rein in our own hearts, even if we could trust that the next administration or this next new friend or anything you want to think of would be the thing that we could fully hope and rely on, even then mortality would win out in the end. For presidents, even kings die. Term limits run out. Institutions crumble under the weight of corruption. And even the best words of the philosophers are often nothing more than the passing fad of a college student on his or her way to a life of consumerism. This is what it looks like to scratch out a living in the salt land. It will not fulfill and it will disappoint. At best, Faith in the salt land is attempt to merely delay the decay. And yet so many make for it, hoping to find freedom. But let me not stand up here merely pointing and condemning today, or at least pointing out and condemning. For it must be said that we, the church, have often blazed the trail to the salt lands that others have simply followed, trusting in political power or our own skills, our own inherent goodness, because we're good people, right? That heart language Jeremiah was talking about was for other people. Just forget he was writing it to Judah and not people out there. We are the very people who often place our faith in the flesh, in human beings or institutions. You want to know how you know if you're doing this? I don't, I don't claim to be able to tell you every way. Well, let's think about that briny puddle again just for a second. How bitter it is. Are you bitter? Are you bitter? I don't mean the bitterness that comes when life truly does attack you when Satan and his emissaries truly come at you. Our Lord Jesus Christ tasted bitterness, but he did not let it become him. He spit it out. There's bitterness in your heart. It's in mine. I fight it every day, do you not? I fight it. And I realize why. It's because I place my faith in people in institutions, in organizations, even in man-made ideas. I do not place my trust in the Lord. I do not recognize that my very trust is the Lord, as the prophet tells us. So if you yourself feel consumed with bitter, bitterness and brine, cynicism, examine your heart and see 
where you are placing your faith. Many have followed the church into the salt lands, and it must be said also that some have gone there because they found no refuge in her arms. We have seen the ugliness gripping the Roman church, our brothers and sisters there. And if you, like I, read a certain Houston Chronicle article this week, we saw it gripping the very denomination I once called home, the denomination that is the largest Protestant denomination in these here United States. And let us not start to think that the problem is out there. That would be the very definition of foolishness. The heart is deceitful above all else, our own hearts. And we must be mindful and watchful. Forever does the stalking lion seek to send wolves into the midst of the sheepfold. Even if those wolves are ourselves, for he may know the deep recesses of our hearts, even that we do not. So we must be mindful, not of just wolves out there, but wolves in our very selves. We must not simply think of it as something that's someone else's problem. It is our problem. And to combat it, we must become serpents ourselves, even as we maintain innocence as doves that fly above the fray. But we cannot even trust our own heart. How are we going to combat this problem? How are we going to combat our envy, our bitterness? How are we going to combat our own sinfulness if we cannot even trust ourselves to recognize our own sinfulness? Well, as here I must say thanks be to God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh so that we need not trust in mere flesh or mere mortals, but we may place our trust in something altogether flesh and altogether divine. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, who joyfully took on his body to enter into this world for his glory and for our salvation. Thanks be to God Jesus, for Jesus Christ, who was taken outside the gates of the city and who was crucified in the salt lands themselves. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who did not who did not say, no, I will not take on this cross, but willfully and joyfully climbed up on it for us. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who through parched lips cried out forgiveness. Thanks be to God, who in the very salt land takes the fruitless shrub and wraps it as a thistle of thorns around our Savior's head, and from there for the first time produces a fruit that is good, that does not run out. For in the fruitless shrub of thorns, a first fruits of our redemption was born. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who is not bitter, who is joyful even as he sacrifices himself for us. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, for from his wounds a new spring comes up out of the salt lands, subsuming the land itself, washing away all taste of bitterness, a torrent of love which sends every bit of sin 
flying and scurrying. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for Jesus who offers us himself for he knows our weakness, how we must trust in men, how we must trust in flesh. And he meets us in that. But his flesh does not waste like ours. It is not as weak as ours. Indeed, in its weakness, it is met with his strength. Thanks be to God. We are uh, today recognizing Septuagisma Sunday. It's my first time saying that out loud. I think I got it right. Did I get it right? Okay, I got it right. Which simply means that we are in 70 days of Easter. And you and I know that Lent lies between that blessed day and now. And what I don't want you to do, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to, to go out into Lent thinking that this is you white-knuckling your sacrifice. I don't want you to go out into the wilderness of Lent expecting to do what you need to do this Lent. This is not your chance to get your house in order. This is not your chance to go ahead and figure yourself out and throw some disciplines in there so that you can finally be the person you want to be. That is not what Lent is. You are not alone in the desert. We go into the desert of Lent expectant to meet our Savior, who is already there. For thanks be to God and Jesus Christ, the tree of life yet again offers shade in the desert. We meet a God who loves and longs to bring gardens out of deserts. And we go into the desert to meet and to contemplate our beloved who has done the work for us and simply wants us to experience the joy of the work that is left to do. You are not going to gain an iota of salvation this Lent, but you might get some sanctification if you're willing and ready to meet Jesus there. We go into the desert to strip ourselves away of all that is not necessary so that we hear Jesus say to us, like he says to Martha, there is only one thing necessary. I myself. That is what is offered to us. And we know that every Lenten discipline Every fast and sacrifice simply makes ways for new and glorious Easter splendor. But it also makes room for Pentecost's power. Can I say a Pentecostal power? Because that's the kind of power that we need. The Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit, who even now works in Christ's bride, the church, to give us new hearts. Whoever seeks to be in us a garden of fruit welling up in a world full of salt lands. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit who gives us the faith we need and who seeks to make us those who are evergreen amidst a world of death.
Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.